Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. This is episode 490, a good interview coming up. One of the best interviews that I've had the opportunity to conduct in a long time. Just a reminder, this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of fine holsters, of which I own several outside the waistband, inside the waistband, appendix carry, whatever it is that uh, that you need, check out concealmentsolutions.com. Also, terrific horsehide belts. I, uh, I have a horsehide belt, a dress belt, which is a gun belt by Concealment Solutions, and uh, I just, I absolutely think it's uh, one of the best gun belts that you can purchase. 10% off discount is available if you use the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD at concealmentsolutions.com. So let me start off by saying I listen to other podcasts. And although my time is more limited than it used to be, I still listen. And my guest coming up has been on other podcasts recently, several of them, and I've been listening. About, I think it was seven or eight months ago, I tried to set up an interview with Spencer Keepers, and both of us just have real busy schedules, and we couldn't put it together. So after all these months, we've had a chance to finally talk about uh, his expertise. Now, I think, I think, and of course, I'm a little biased here, but I think this is probably the best interview that Spencer Keepers has done on any podcast out there. Yes, I know, I'm biased, but when I compare what you're about to hear on the Handgun World podcast right now to other interviews that he's done on other podcasts, I'm not taking anything away from Spencer. Spencer is great, and I'm not taking anything away from any other podcast. Please, don't think that. I just think this one came out very well. And we talked about appendix carry a little differently than other shows have put out there. Meaning, I asked some questions of Spencer about appendix carry that I didn't hear on any other shows where he's been. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this. We also talked about pure shooting. Pure shooting. And uh, I asked Spencer if he would do that for the Shooters Club member, and he said he would. So this is a complete interview on Appendix Carry. A complete interview on Appendix Carry. If you're a member of the Shooters Club, which is the way that you can help support financially the Handgun World podcast, then you're going to hear Spencer talk about pure shooting. He's a very good shooter also. And if you followed him on YouTube, if you've taken one of his classes, you're going to hear in the interview... What he, what he can accomplish also as a shooter. He's going to talk about some of his shooting accomplishments recently. So pure shooting, if you're a member of the Shooters Club, which you can sign up for $8 a month or $75 a year. And there's a link in the show notes. And that website is ShootersClubMembers.com. So here we go. Spencer Keepers joins me right now. All right, my special guest for this episode, uh, Spencer Keepers of Keepers Concealment. Spencer, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, we've been for months trying to put this together. We're both of us are so so busy, but we finally got it, and I'm excited to have you on the on the Handgun World podcast. Yes. So I'm going to 
kind of introduce you a little bit and uh, give you a couple minutes to introduce yourself to maybe add to what what I'm saying. But uh, you you're the owner and founder of of Keepers Concealment, right? Right. Founder. You're, Founder of founder. of Keepers Concealment. All right, uh, your holsters are fantastic, which I'm going to talk about. I own two of them, and uh, I want people to know. I, I actually, I you may not remember me, Spencer. I don't know, but I took your appendix carry class in 2017 at TACCON okay. in in Arkansas. I was one of the many people that were there. Uh, I, I have to say, even though I've been talking about appendix carry since 2010 for nine years, and I've been appendix carrying for about nine years, I have to say your class was was the best I've ever, best instruction on appendix carry that I've ever seen. I was very impressed with it. Oh, well, thank you. Thank yeah, it was very well done. Um, and then I attended your lecture on appendix carry, and uh, that was... Um, and that was last, well, no, 2018. Okay. That was 2018, I think, is when you did the lecture at TACCON, right? Right, right. Yeah. And uh, that was the first time I saw anybody put a full-size Beretta uh, nicely, uh, appendix carry, and, and hide it well. <laughs> it's it's not near as hard as people think it is. <laughs> well, so let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, I listened to you on some other podcasts recently, and you spent a lot of really good time talking about why appendix carry is safe, uh, how it's really not too much less safe than any other method of carry, and you know how it's how a lot of people sweep themselves, even even strong side hip carrying. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I thought I would cover some some different things and ask you some different questions about carrying appendix, if that's okay. okay. Yeah, um, great. Add to my introduction. Uh, let the listeners know anything else you want them to know about you. Uh, so, you know, I'm a training junkie. I've been around this for a long time now. Uh, I've trained with the uh, the proverbial who's who of the firearms training world. Uh, I was introduced to appendix carry by the late Todd Lewis Green. And the first thing I told him, are you freaking nuts? Do you know where the gun is pointed? Because I was that guy, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, then after spending a weekend with him um, at TACCON uh, in, in Tulsa, back, I guess this was like nine, 2009 or 10, I can't remember actually, uh, I was like, okay, there's, I mean, there's really something to this. Yeah. And so I came back and tried to figure out how to make it work for me, which, you know, I was obviously successful in and have been, you know, teaching and promoting appendix since then. Um, <clears throat> I don't shoot a lot of competitions because, you know, for the longest time, it was just me and my nephew building the holsters. So with, you know, a six to eight month backlog, we were just hooked up every minute we could get. And, um, um, but I, I, I do love to shoot competition. Outside of that, <clears throat> Uh, I'm one of 11 handgun masters through Tom Gibbons. I'm expert on the fast test. I'm the only person so far to hold two turbo pins from Gabe White. Wow. Uh, that, that happened just the other weekend. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I was pretty excited about that. So, uh, 
So when it comes to running a gun fast and accurately, I, I can really tell people how to do that. I've so. seen you on YouTube do it. I've seen your YouTube videos and, uh, you know, did a little research on that. It's interesting, Spencer, you mentioned competition. I want to ask you something about that. Um, I do a lot of competition, too. I've been com- uh, competitive shooting since uh, about 2006. To the best of my knowledge, most competitive clubs don't allow you to carry appendix and shoot from, draw and shoot from appendix while you're in competition, right? Uh, so USPSA will. They will. There, ah, there, okay. there is actually a couple of different uh, divisions that you can shoot of, shoot in, concealed, carrying appendix forward of the hips. Um, uh, Gabe White is your dude for that. Uh, I think one of them is limited minor and the other one is something else. Oh, okay. Uh, but we, we literally now have, uh, Les, uh, Kismertoni. Uh, I'm sure I just butchered his name. So Les don't beat me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, there's actually several other, like really well-known shooters that are really starting to compete um, from appendix concealed at, you know, in USPSA. Okay, well, thanks for educating me on that. I didn't know that USPSA, IDPA does not allow it. Yes. Uh, Not to to, to the best of my knowledge, they don't. Um, And... uh, they should, but that's a touchy subject, so uh, we probably won't beat that up too much. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I really wish I could just kind of make them understand, and that and that seems to be the rub. Um, I've had I've had more than one old curmudgeon. Um, in fact, I've had a bunch of old curmudgeons <laughs> tell me tell me that you know. This appendix thing, you know, you're covering your, you know. You shoot your junk junk off, yeah. You're covering your junk, and you'll do all this stuff, and if you do it right, you don't cover yourself at all. But when I demonstrate the fact that, you know, they may very well be covering themselves going back into strong side, oh, we don't want to hear that, or that's okay. We're not going there. Oh, that's okay, they say. Oh, Oh, it's okay. Oh. I, I... just this last week, um, I had a, um, uh, um, I'm not going to go into this very far, but just this last week, I had a guy that was absolutely convinced it was perfectly okay to cover yourself going back into a holster strong side, but not appendix. The thing, the problem I have with that is, <clears throat> If you cover your leg going strong side, yeah. right, and and I don't want to spend much time on this, but just think about it. Your femoral artery is still down there. Uh-huh. That's it, uh, yes, it is. 115-grain, 9-millimeter ball ammo will penetrate 32 inches of ballistic gelatin. Exactly. <laughs> so okay. so your, 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 your body's that, probably not that big. <laughs> yeah, so whether you, whether you cover it, from the top side of the femur or the bottom side of the femur, it doesn't really matter. You're still pointing at it, right? Yeah. But 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 people are very possessive to their beliefs. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's very hard to open minds with that. 32 um, inches of ballistic uh, gelatin. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's, it's, it's, 
probably as likely to hit your your femoral artery as any any other way. Well, and 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 my take is is if you hit your femur, yeah, with a bullet, whether the bullet or the bone fragments cut the femur, cut the femoral artery, is irrelevant. But it's I think still cut. Have, it's still cut. I think you'd have a much higher chance of actually getting it cut from you know from strong side than you would from appendix. And you know, I've talked to doctors about that. I've talked to doctors that have been in my classes or or that have uh, interviewed on this podcast and stuff and they they almost said the same words as you. It doesn't matter how your your femoral artery gets cut, wh- whether it's the bone or the bullet or whatever. It, it's cut. Cut. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, and you're in a whole heap of trouble either way. Yes, yeah. If you don't have a, you know, if you don't have a med gear and know how to use it, which you should, you should and carry it. If you're, if you're around guns, you should know how to do that. Period. So good. Yeah, you should. So I don't think I'm going to be out of line asking you this next question. What do you think? And you don't have to name names or get real specific, but what do you think about firearms trainers that won't allow appendix carry in their classes? They flat out say, don't come to my class if you're appendix carrying. Uh, you know, it's their class. It's their deal. If they're not comfortable with it, I I think that's fine. I mean, I really think that that is something that if they say, hey, I don't know enough about this, to ensure in my mind the safety of my students mm-hmm. then then I think that's a legitimate thing good answer I, okay I really do really do okay you know so um, yeah it would, be, it would really be no different than me telling people you can't use a strong side strong holster. side holster yeah in, that makes in sense. my class right yeah yeah now in, now in my appendix class I do really want people to use an appendix holster because that's what the class is about yeah it's right it's why people are there that's why they're there in my essential handgun skills class or some of my other classes i don't i don't carry i don't really care how you carry in fact i've had a lot of really good feedback about strong side inside the waistband because i did that for a long time so did i i and uh, I've got some really good tips and tricks on how to do that. Um, and last year when I taught the class uh, in Virginia, I had a guy that was carrying strong side. And he wrote an incredibly nice AAR about how I helped him, you know, shave a bunch of time off his draw stroke and made him safer and all that you know, carrying strong side inside the waistband. So. And I noticed that, Spencer, when I took your class at TACCON in 2017, I noticed, you know, I thought to myself at the end of the class, a lot of what you taught, even if they don't appendix carry, strong side carry, a lot of the techniques you taught can apply to that. Yes. It yes. can apply to strong side. Yes. Um, so, so since we're talking about holsters... Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, you, okay. you you deserve you deserve some uh, some free advertising here. So the 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 first holster, <laughs> the, well you, you're donating your time. That's how I feel. Anybody that donates right. their time uh, should get some benefit from it. So the first holster I want to talk about is the keeper's holster. I got one for my Glock 19. So uh, one of the things uh, I I have never seen an appendix carry holster designed this well. Now. 
I, I guess I shouldn't say it. I've seen it, but I've never tried one designed this this way and and this good. Um, talk a little bit about the the features of the keepers. So the keeper is kind of our our flagship holster. That was like the the first holster that I came up with, um, and it is as bulletproof as we can make a Kydex holster. Uh, <clears throat> Greg Elephants just the other day wrote a deal about a holster that he had got from me seven years ago, and he had just taken a three-day Tom Givens, you know, instructor class with that holster, not the same model, the same holster. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, all of them uh, last that long because you, they don't. You're not putting a guarantee out there, they right? Don't. And, <laughs> and, and I can tell you one thing. I have had to, I have, I have rebuilt three of Gabe White's holsters uh, over the years, but there's very few people that, you know, dedicate an hour or two hours of dry practice a day into, yeah. into that, you know, so he wears stuff out, you know, he's an anomaly on mm. that. So, um, but it's very bulletproof. It was really built to withstand that extreme close quarters environment. Craig Douglas, you know, ground grappling, stuff like that it was built to try and withstand that type of punishment. Uh, it has a very innovative wedge that tucks the uh, grip of the gun into the body. Yep. Um, it has a, what I call a trigger stop um, on the gun, on the holster that, that captures the back of the trigger guard so the gun doesn't rock in the holster. When you, when you hit it hard, the gun stays right where it's supposed to. Uh, it has a uh, pretty innovative um, tension system in that we use uh, actual stainless steel washers. I see that. Shimming system. It's about as robust of a system as, as I can make it uh, or as we can make it. You know, uh, a lot of the holsters that are out there use like actually pieces of, of gas tube that they'll buy a you know, they'll buy a 50-foot reel of gas tube at a parts store and cut it up into small little sections. Um, yeah, not this that, one. And that and that has some problems uh, because that gas tube wasn't designed to do that, right? No. So I wanted this one to be as stout as we could. On all of our holsters, uh, we roll uh, <clears throat> a piece of the holster from the backside to the front so that you have a nice radius uh, on the bottom end of the holster, the muzzle end of the holster, instead of basically, you know, two pieces of Kydex sticking down there. And that's the part that hurts the most on a poorly designed holster, is that yeah. bottom of it. And, you know, with, with, with your rounded uh, bottom here, rounded uh, bottom of the holster, and then the wedge, you know, that putting them both together like that, that makes it nice and comfy. Correct. Correct. The wedge is removable, replaceable, customizable, adjustable, uh, adjustable. Um, we make, you know, we make several different sizes of those. We make a Gabe White size that is literally like two and a half inches thick because uh, that's what he wants. And so that's what we made him. And now now we have Gabe White wedges. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's a big wedge, two and a half inches. 
Yeah, it's wow. Um, but he's he's got it really worked out where you know he knows his gun's not. Yeah. I mean, just like at no point in time, hardly ever is his gun pointing at his body. And uh, while yeah. we're on that on that really quick, if if uh, you know you ever really want to truly understand how much a gun put on your waistline will point at your body. Uh, if you've got a, a Glock holster, take a cert pistol, mm-hmm. uh, tie the trigger to the rear where the laser is on constantly, uh, put that in the holster and go walk around and it will point at you all over the place. I think you did that demonstration at TACCON, I think in uh, your I, lecture. I did. Yeah. I did. I and did. I was surprised. I was surprised where that laser was pointing on your body all the time. Yeah. Uh, I did. I actually did a deal with uh, Lucky Gunner, uh, Chris yeah. Baker. And uh, I said that in an interview with them. And Chris was like, you know, I really didn't believe that. So he tried a bunch of different setups and a bunch of different guns with lasers on them. Yeah. And every single one of them was pointed at your body. <laughs> Interesting. The cool, the cool thing about it, though, as long as it's a properly functioning firearm, right, and it's in the holster, it is literally inert. Yeah, it's safe. Safe. If if it wasn't safe in the holster, why would we carry it to begin with? Right. 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 So yes, uh, and I think a lot of people just don't really. I think they just don't really understand that. And I think sometimes it literally takes somebody uh, to say, hey, it's in the holster. It's it's safe. Um, I just had a good friend of mine who's a, you know, uh, uh, good uh, uh, 15, 17 year, you know, policeman, firearms instructor, all that. Tell another firearms instructor that had been there longer just that and the guy was like wow i never thought of it that way so interesting it is for a lot of people it's a real big mind shift you know because they're like the gun's dangerous well it is till it gets in the holster and then it's safe yeah yeah well out of the holster it better be dangerous because that's why you carry it because you might need to inflict some danger on someone trying to kill you Right. And then right. when it's back in the holster, it is safe. You are correct. Right. You are correct. So now let's shift gears. Um, I also bought I bought an errand from you. I think it was about a year and a half ago. And I originally ordered this for a, uh, a Glock 43. And for listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, you have a holster called an errand, like like going out and running errands, uh, which is cool because cause that's, that's what it's really, it, it, it shines for that. So I bought it for my Glock 43, and one of the interesting things is uh, I, f- I learned that after well, I learned that you make you make the holsters a little bit longer than the actual uh, gun, a little bit longer Correct. than the barrel. And in a minute, I want you to explain that. But what's cool about this uh, Glock 43 uh, Errand holster is when I bought my Glock 48. Well, what do you know? The Glock 48 fits in the uh, 43 holster. Real nice because you added that extra length to right. it. So right. tell me, why do you why do you add the extra length to that? Okay, so let's talk about that for just a little bit. <clears throat> when you're putting a holster on your body, 
typically it is hinged off the belt line. Now, there are some instances where I do not wear a belt with a holster, and I'll talk about that later on, okay? But it's typically hinged off the belt line. So if we have, let's say, a 43, Glock 43, okay? Or a Glock 26, even even worse. <clears throat> so if you make the holster the same length as the gun, same length as the barrel, when you put that holster on a belt and position the right height and the cant of that enough that you can actually get a full grip on the gun easily, right? <clears throat> the gun is so high above the, the belt line that there's, it rolls nothing, out. there's nothing below the belt to stabilize it, and it will literally roll out. I have literally seen a, a customer in a gun store bend over, and his Glock 26 carried appendix fell on the floor. Oh, okay. Okay, because it rolled out and just clank right on the floor. Uh, no one was more surprised than him. Um, and uh, the looks that he got was very, very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. Yeah, that. Uh, I, I'm sure a, the gun store employees didn't appreciate that too much. Yeah, it, it got really dicey really quick. <laughs> He's so, lucky some guns. Uh, well, never mind about that. But yeah, uh, right. yeah. So, so take that same concept now with appendix. The gun needs to fit the gun muzzle holster combo, if you will, needs to fit between the crease in the leg and the important parts in the middle, right? <clears throat> kind of in that little dead space, if you will. Well. The longer you can make that muzzle to a point, <clears throat> the more surface area it covers. But it's having the same amount of force being pushed out on the top side as even the shoulder holster did. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a very small area to absorb the surface pressure, now you've got a much longer area to absorb that. So you've distributed that force over a greater area. Mm -hmm. So now the felt pressure is actually far less. Mm -hmm. It actually stabilizes the holster so it doesn't move around as much. Um, and with the wedge, it'll actually you can actually kind of help tuck the butt of the gun into the body. Uh, and help concealment with that as well. Yeah, I've seen people that had an improper appendix holster, and when that thing starts to roll out, boy, that prints terribly. Oh, oh uh, yeah. it shows like it's yeah. unbelievably bad how how much their gun yeah. shows. Yes, and, and that is especially true of the holsters, because with an appendix holster, it either needs to fit in that spot that I talked about. Or it needs to fit your weight, your pant waistline needs to be high enough that it fits above the important parts, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the holsters that you see that are that are kind of like one piece, you know, they've got there's a holster for the gun and then the magazine pouch off to the side. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen exactly three of those in my classes that actually fit the person worked well, was comfortable for them to wear, and concealed. That's all, huh? 
three. Wow. The rest, the rest of them look like a colostomy bag. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean it, it just, you know, it just, it just rolls out and, uh, you know, there's, there seems to be a very distinct body type that those work for. And the reason that is, is because everybody's built on an oval, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when you form that type of holster, you are forming an oval, whether you realize it or not, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, if that oval doesn't match the oval you're trying to put it up against, it's just not going to work. If Good point. It, uh, if it does, hey, it works. Like I said, I've seen three. Uh, I've seen some that were close, but, you know, in my book, that kind of deal, close doesn't, doesn't get it. And I've seen some that are just, I mean, it was so bad that you couldn't really figure out what it was, but you just knew that whole area was wrong. Mm, okay. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, that was from Undercover Cop. But <laughs> I'm like, hey, dude, you might want to do something different. You're undercover, dude. Remember? Uh, You're undercover. He was like, well, you know. <laughs> So how do you, Spencer? Uh, you you carry the gun in appendix. Where do you carry? Where do you typically carry your spare magazine? More magazines, plural. So um, if I carry spare mags, I carry them typically um, just past nine o'clock at probably nine thirty, ten o'clock, right? Okay. Uh, I don't carry them appendix up front. I haven't found one. I haven't done a lot of research on that. I haven't really tried a lot, uh, but um, I haven't really found a mag pouch, like an angled appendix mag pouch that I'm a big fan of. There's reasons behind that. Um, The two guns that I carry the most Breda 92 Elite mm-hmm. or Breda PX4 Compact Carry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I've got 19 rounds on top on the uh, 92. I've got 16 rounds on the PX4 Compact Carry. If we look at civilian gunfights, we look at Tom's data, we find like maybe one reload where where the dude and that's actually that's not even correct i'm sorry tom 65 plus civilian student shootings um no one needed a reload there were two reloads both of them did not have an outcome in the fight okay way after the fight was over Okay. okay um one of them was like uh, 11 rounds out of a SIG 226, and the other one was out of a, you know, a 1911 seven-round 45, okay? If we look at John Correa's active self-protection videos, you know, what, 20,000 gunfights or however many he's at now, uh, the last I knew he had seen two reloads, and neither one of them mattered, when you watch the videos, when people start shooting, people start moving, 
in a hurry. Right. Yes, yes. And Spencer, thank you for talking about that, because I've talked about it. People are probably tired of hearing me talk about that. So I didn't even ask you to go into that, but you went into it, and that's good. Um, I see so many people insatiably practicing reloads over and over and over again. That's good if you want to shave time off your reloads for competition. That's fine. That's fine. But but I, I don't think you're going to need that skill very often in, in a real civilian self-defense gunfight. Well, so here's my take on it. A couple yeah. of things. One, if you're going to train a lot, you need to learn how to reload the gun as efficiently as possible. Definitely. Okay? Definitely. Two, if you're going to compete, you really need to learn how to reload the gun as efficiently as possible. That's a no-brainer if you're going to compete, right? yes. yes. to compete. Now, let's say that you happen to be the one poor sucker who does need a reload in a self-defense fight. You should be able to do it. For every second this thing's not running, you let a untrained thug shoot quarter-second splits at you. So if I'm going to carry a reload... I want to know how to reload the gun right now, mm-hmm. right? Or as close to right now as I can. If my reload is three seconds or under, you know, running a drill under pressure with a timer, I think you're, I think you're fine. Less than three seconds for a reload. Three, three seconds ish. Okay. Let's three seconds. There. Approximately. Three, three seconds ish. Okay. Um, if your reload reload from your uh, pocket or whatever in your civilian based you know garb is a 10 second reload yeah no that's, that's not good that's, that's not a reload no that's, that's not, not going to help you any at all a five second draw on a 10 second reload that won't help you yeah yeah no you're you're, you're toast there um now on the other side of that is what is the biggest causes of reloads in a fight? Malfunction. Misses. Miss. Ah, uh, well, yeah, okay. You're Misses, right. Misses. Right. Mm-hmm. Claude, Claude Warner said that I don't know how many times. You're right. Said. Don't miss. Yep. Don't miss. Um, you know, you can solve uh, uh, somebody that's really good and accurate with a handgun can solve a lot of problems with 18 or 19 or 15 or 16 rounds Absolutely. Of, of good nine millimeter. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that really comes down to you, whether it works for you, because there are days I do not carry a reload. There are days I, I carry two spare reloads, right? Just the way it is. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, I, I just it seems to me like like sometimes people will spend extra time on the reloads when they could be spending more time on a good draw. Oh, that's, you know. Uh, thank thank you for for reminding me because that's where yeah. I was going. Yeah. And I guess what I was trying to say when your reloads get to the three second ish time frame, and your draw to an eight inch circle at seven yards is two seconds or over, you have not spent your time wisely. Okay. 
in playing a role player in establishing dominant paradigm class that Tom Gibbons, William April, and Craig Douglas does as a uh, combo for the last several years now, one of the things I've learned as a bad guy, and I learn more as playing a bad guy than the students do as playing a, playing themselves. Which yeah, is, I'm sure you which do. Is, which is very interesting. Uh, there's two two draw strokes that work. There is get the gun out right freaking now and start putting rounds on me, or there's some form of stealth draw. Mm-hmm. Anything in between is going to get you shot my, by me or whoever. Maybe it was you know Chuck Haggard's done it. A couple of my good friends have done help you know do. Are you back now? Yeah. Skype kicked us off for some reason. Okay. Something happened. Sorry about it. I can fix that, though. That's easy. That's easy. Sorry about that. Okay. You were uh, you were talking about, we, we before we got kicked off, you were talking about Chuck Haggard. <clears throat> right. And I think you were talking about the, the draw, I think. Is that what you were talking about? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. There's really only two draws that work. Yep. There's some form of a stealth draw. Right, getting the gun out without the person that is trying to carjack you, mug you, whatever, seeing it, which you can do. Uh, it is actually far easier to do from appendix than it is strong side. I found yeah. that out the hard way. I bet it would be. Uh, and there is a draw stroke where you get the gun out right freaking now and go to work with it. Okay. One of the other interesting things about appendix is when you draw the gun, you are inside your silhouette. You're not going outside of your silhouette to get the gun and then bringing it back in. It is far harder to track your hands inside the silhouette than it is outside the silhouette. I never thought about that. Yeah, that's true. So uh, that's one of the things that I that I found that I that I think is a big benefit for appendix. Uh, I will tell you there is a uh, uh, there's a little government agency out there that spends a lot of time setting down, uh, and appendix has changed the way they train and the way they fight. Uh, the other cool thing about appendix is really easy. <clears throat> to very serotypically get your hand on your gun, which is about half your draw stroke. Mm-hmm. So say you got a say you got a one second draw stroke. Mm-hmm. If you can get your hand on the gun, you know now you got roughly a half, maybe six, seven tenths draw stroke. Yeah, you've shaved a lot of time off. Shaved a lot of time off that. 
the other thing about it is when you do that, even if the even if a bad guy is prepped and ready for it, he really can't react to it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, the, there's just a lot of advantages when it comes to appendix. And action normally beats reaction most Correct. of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. So before we get into the next subject, because uh, uh, I want to give you about 10 minutes on the next subject, but I'd like you to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the, the speed comparison between appendix and like strong site. I mean, you just spent a little bit of time talking about right. that recently, but what have you found in, in your speed tests? In, and so no matter who it is, um, <clears throat> unless they have some physical impediment that causes them not to be able to draw the gun from appendix well, uh, and those people do exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you are looking at anywhere from a quarter to a half second immediately off your draw stroke. Mm, okay. Because you just have to move the gun less. There's just, I mean, it's physics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, the fastest point between two lines to the fastest between two points is a straight <clears throat> two line. Two points is a straight line, right? So yeah. the faster you can get the the less you have to move, the faster you can do it. And this reminds right. me of just a couple of quick things, Spencer. I want you to to uh, address. About eight years ago, I had rotator cuff shoulder surgery on my left shoulder. Well, thank God it was my left shoulder. It, it was not. I'm right-handed. It was not my strong shoulder. And, and I actually, uh, I did what the doctor didn't want me to do. I went out shooting. Um, I think it was about like seven or eight weeks after the, uh, the, the surgery. And I, of course, shooting one-handed because this, this, this left shoulder was still toast even right. after seven or eight weeks. And one of the things I thought to myself is, thank God. First of all, thank God it wasn't my right shoulder. But if it was my right shoulder and for some reason I had to draw my gun, I would much rather draw it from appendix than have to reach back behind my strong side hip and bend that shoulder right after having surgery like that. Oh, I, I don't think I could, I could have done it, I don't think. Right. I don't so think. I've, so I, I, I probably don't talk about this enough, but if you're serious about this, you should have already a support side holster yep. belt gun combo set up because life happens. Yeah. I've that's had right. two shoulder surgeries on my right shoulder. So you know what it's like. Yeah. Uh, the last one, they were like, we should have just replaced your shoulder while we were in there. So if that'll give you a little, you know, I've got two metal joint replacements. Now I'm not looking for a third. That's messed up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty easy for me cause I had a holster company, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I need a, I need a left hand lock 17 keeper, please. Okay. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> we'll have it for you tomorrow morning, Spencer. Right. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, it, you know, it may not be that way for other folks. So that's something they need to really strongly consider. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had an instance it's been about four years ago. I got a little scratch 
right here when I was taking jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Within six hours, this whole portion of my hand was swollen and red. Mm. I had got a staph infection, and I went from perfectly able to use this hand to not being able not being to able use to. this hand within six hours. Oof. And it took about four or five days to get movement back into the hand. People need to right. think about that. If they're concealed carriers, they need to think about that stuff. They need to, yes, they really do. They really do. They do. The last point about uh, appendix carrying, and then we'll move on. A lot of people think you have to have a small gun to appendix carry. Talk right. about that. So for the vast majority of people, longer is better than shorter. Really? Now why? Uh, so what, all that stuff that we talked about, like on the 43, the, you know, it fits the 48, right? Yeah, right. Well, the 48 is a Glock 19 that's a quarter inch thinner. Yes, that's it all, is. That's all it is. That's right? right. Well, so now you start getting into that four inch barrel region, which is about minimum length for appendix. A lot of times, the longer you make the holster, the better. I don't have it with me. But the holster for my Beretta 92 is about that much longer. It's about an inch longer than the gun itself is. Yeah, yeah, okay, interesting. And, and I had, you know, of course, I sleep with the owner of the company, so. Yeah, <laughs> that has an advantage. Right. Um, so I had the guys build me a, you know, custom 92 holster because I wanted that extra length. Yeah. You know, now not everybody's going to be able to do that, but they may very well be able to buy a Glock 17 holster for their 19 or maybe a 34 holster for their 17. Or uh, I I took Scott Jaletsky's Red Dot class here a couple of weeks ago and uh, had the guys build me a Glock 34 RMR. And I met a guy in the class who runs... um, uh, the Blue Warriors Foundation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically what they do is they collect money to send police officers to more advanced training because okay. we all know that cops, you know, typical cops, uh, if you're in the training industry and you don't know this, you will. Uh, the typical training a cop gets is 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 bad at it's best almost nothing and horrible at most mm-hmm. you know uh, I mean you look at a lot of departments and they make you buy your own ammo and you qualify qualify which they call training and qualification is not training period right uh, they make you call once a year and in that call you might shoot 30 rounds. And that's it for a year. And it's so laughable when you say that because so many of the anti-gun people out there, you know, they make statements like, well, we only want guns in the hands of trained individuals like the police. And they have absolutely no stinking clue how how much training that the police don't actually get. So do you want to know why I did not try to consider a career in police? <laughs> why? Why in law, is that? Law enforcement. 
because I didn't think I could ever be a good enough shooter. <laughs> that's funny. Right. And I've never heard that before, but that's funny. That is pretty <laughs> good. The irony in that. <laughs> that is pretty good. I think the qualification for police officers is probably about the same as the Texas license to carry course, I think, or pretty darn close anyway. It, it, it varies. <laughs> now, there, there are some departments out there that those guys are Johnny on. Just joking, oh, I, just joking, yes. You know, I'm not picking on cops. I love cops. I, I'm just, so, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to point out the fact how, how, like you said, how bad their training most of the time is. So, so let's go back to the holsters real quick. Yeah. So for the vast majority of people, longer is better. Yeah. There, there is a large appendix can be a very large equation for some people and a very small equation for other people. It can be just like my buddy I was talking about. I gave him the holster. It was adjusted for me. He's a much smaller dude than I am. He put it on, and I, like every other day, he sends me a text about, just how wonderful it is and how much he likes it, right? And it's a Glock 34 length RMR, you know, holster. Cool. Okay. Well, the next dude down the road might need a completely different setup, or he may need to adjust the cant or right height of the holster so that it lays in the proper spot in his body. He may need higher-waisted pants. He may need pants that are a little looser fitting. Um, He may need an infinitely adjustable belt like the foundation belt, best appendix belt I've found yet, Mm -hmm. so that he can get proper tension on it. If you remember one of my, uh, you know, one of the things I talked about in my class is I'll do a demo where... You know, I'm running like normal belt tension for me, and I'm like, okay, you know, look at me. You know, this is the gun I have on. You can't see it underneath a piece of Under Armour. Now I'm going to loosen my belt a finger's width, which is about five-eighths of an inch for me. I remember this demo. And and you can start to see the gun print, correct? That's right, yes. Yeah, and so micro-adjustments, infinitely adjustable belt, is, is a must because if you're running a traditional leather belt, the whole spacings on those traditionally are one inch. The gun belt tension is either going to be way too tight or way too, too loose, loose every every time. Yes, that's so, right. Um, setting the right height and cant up is huge for appendix. If your holster doesn't have that and it's just, you know – Here's a holster, and especially if it's, and I see so many of these on on the internet, and it just makes me want to puke, <laughs> is their appendix holster where they have done nothing more than labeled their strong side holster appendix. Mm, yeah, change the name. It's canned the wrong way. It's it, it, I mean, like, everything is wrong with it, but they don't know enough to understand that. And, uh, you know, the other thing I think when you're looking to buy a holster, uh, you need to look at the company a little bit. And if the company isn't shooters, if they're not training, if they're not like if they're not like known in the industry, Mm. probably need to keep looking. Because one of the things I'm really starting to realize 
is in every city in America, there is somebody building AR-15s. In every neighborhood, every big neighborhood in America, somebody is building Kydex holsters. It's true. It's just that bad. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Except, I don't know. Beto might have stopped it in El Paso. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> just a joke. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, I had to throw that. I just couldn't resist. But good points. Good points about your appendix carry stuff. In a minute, I want you to talk uh, about pure shooting. But where can people where can people find a a keeper's appendix carry holster? They can find uh, our holsters and my training schedule at keepersconcealment.com. Okay. Uh, they can email us at keepersconcealment at gmail.com or through the website. Uh, and then they can follow us, uh, Keepers Concealment, Facebook and Instagram as well. So. And for, for everybody who might be a new listener to this, uh, I want you to know I always put links in the show notes for all the websites that, that my guests mentioned. So there'll be a Keeper's Concealment link. There'll be a link to your Facebook page and all that. And uh, you, have, you have a Twitter? Uh, we, we don't really do okay. Twitter. You I got Facebook and Instagram, though, right? Yeah. Facebook, yeah. Instagram, and to your website. Yeah, and I I post, uh, you know, a lot of uh, live videos. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a real schedule. I guess I probably should, but... You know, I'll come up with something that I want to talk about, or I'll, I will have a few people ask kind of the same question, and I'll address it in a in a live video on Facebook. I do that quite a bit. And so, so if and if somebody uh, searches you on YouTube, searches Spencer Keepers, they'll find you. Yes, right. Yeah, I'm on YouTube too. But I need I I need to do a lot of updating to YouTube, but I'm there as well. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Spencer, thanks for coming on the show. I very much appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. I appreciate that. Wow, was that good or what? Spencer Keepers, thank you very much for your time. Uh, once again, you can find him at keepersconcealment.com, keepersconcealment.com. You know, if you if you really want to, you can appendix carry. Uh, you might want to go back and listen to this interview a second time so that you can pick up everything that he talked about because it really is, I think, a superior method of carrying a handgun as long as you can do it and do it safely and, and follow what Spencer's what Spencer talks about. Since uh, about 2011, so for about the past eight and a half years or so, I've been talking about appendix carry and I've been appendix carrying most of the time, actually, that's that's been my preferred method of carrying a handgun. And it's it's a widely criticized method of concealed carry. You know, you have a lot of people that just don't understand it, as, as Spencer talked about. You have a lot of people that just can't seem to... Uh, well, well, you know, people tend to be afraid of what they don't know. You know, again, they tend to be afraid of what they don't know. But... When I first took Spencer's class and then went to his lecture, I was just thoroughly impressed with what he teaches and also his products. So check it out again at keepersconcealment.com. Remember, this show takes time. It takes effort and things like that. I don't have a lot of advertisers on this show. So if you could support the Handgun World podcast financially, I'd appreciate that. You don't have to spend any extra money. 
if you make your Amazon purchases through my uh, Amazon store, that would be great. Just go to handgunworld.com first and then go through my Amazon store on my website. You don't have to spend any extra money and that'll help support my show. Again, the Shooters Club, $8 a month, $75 a year. Wait till you hear him, hear Spencer Keepers talk about pure shooting. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely going to improve your shooting for sure. And don't forget, uh, Ben Branham and I are teaching the 26th and 27th of October. So it's still, it's not too late. This is the 15th of October when this is coming out, uh, being released to the public. It's not too late to get signed up. There's a chance I may not be able to be there for both days, but Ben Branham is definitely going to be there for both days. There's a chance that uh, I might just uh, be a student in this class rather than a, uh, a an instructor. But Ben's going to do a, a fantastic job if I'm not able to be there as one of the instructors. I also want to close by saying if you use iTunes to listen to this podcast, please uh, write a review, an actual review instead of just a rating. I'd appreciate that. Just go over there where you get all your iTunes podcasts and, and write a review. Or regardless, even if there's some other way that you get these podcasts, if they have a way to review the shows, especially this one, the Handgun World podcast, please write me a review. Good, bad, or indifferent, I'd appreciate that. Remember... The voicemail is 210-646-1727. I get quite a few voicemails on this show. And if you got a comment or a question or anything, even about this episode or past episodes, 210-646-1727. People have asked me how, could they, how they could listen to older shows. Uh, I think about the last 150 episodes are on your uh, podcast software. And if you want to go back farther than that, just go to handgunworld.com. You can stream them off the website. Again, handgunworld.com. Stream them off of the website. You can type in different subjects to see what I've put out there on those subjects if you want. That's probably the best way to do it. And remember, the introduction and conclusion music is by Ozark Revival. And it's a pretty cool name of the song. It's called We Ain't Getting." No, excuse me. You Ain't Getting Our Guns. You Ain't Getting Our Guns by Ozark Revival. If you want to find out more about them, ozarkrevival.com. So I want to say, remember folks, evil does not exist in the holster. I'm sick and tired of people demonizing the, the actual guns. Evil exists in the hearts of men and women and evil does exist if you don't want to admit it uh, that i think that's a problem for you you have to admit that it exists out there thanks again for listening thanks to for listening to uh, this great interview uh, by spencer keepers and i'll close the show by saying this remember read your bible every day and remember to shoot straight and shoot safe i'll talk to you next time